Chicago is home to 133 opportunity zones, but which neighborhoods on Chicago's west and south sides have the greatest levels of redevelopment need? And what are some of the challenges of acquiring capital for building in low-income communities? Find out on today's episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Hey everyone, Jimmy Atkinson here with the Opportunity Zones podcast. This is part two of my two-part conversation with Lennox Jackson. If you missed part one, it's the previous episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Lennox and I discussed why gentrification is actually a good thing, and how subsidized affordable rate housing may not be the appropriate solution in some communities. In part two, we'll discuss redeveloping in Chicago's Opportunity Zones, and get into the specifics of some of Lennox's real estate projects on the south side. What types of real estate assets are you looking to develop in in the opportunity zones around Chicago? Uh, So the portfolio that we are uh, working to, um, you know, get teeth around uh, include um, a 15,112 square foot uh, uh, parcel uh, in the Bronzeville community, uh, which is an historic community on Chicago's south side. And there we look forward to purchasing this particular property, which has a commercial building on it. We're going to demolish it and we're going to build a mixed use uh, uh, market rate rental uh, building, uh, five stories with ground floor retail. Um, And uh, there uh, we're looking to deliver uh, quality rental apartments. Uh, That particular project is also part of, well, it's one of the, projects in the portfolio. Uh, Another project includes acquisition and uh, retrofitting a closed public school. This particular public school is located in the Washington Park community, uh, again, just a little bit farther south of Bronzeville. And uh, Washington Park is one of the three communities that is has a geographic tie-in to what will be the Obama Presidential Library and Presidential Center. And so we are looking to, uh, we have put together a set of ideas around repurposing this particular school, uh, which would include uh, rooftop solar, converting about 30 to 40 formerly used classrooms to uh, workforce rental housing. Uh, Another portion of the building would be used for training, workforce development and jobs training. And in another part of the building, we want to align with the hydroponic uh, indoor forming operation, as uh, which would include specialty herbs. And so we have identified a commercial uh, farmer uh, located in northern suburbs of Chicago that will re- relocate to this estimated uh, 15,000 square feet uh, portion of this school building. And uh, they will then teach and train persons on how to develop and grow uh, specialty herbs. So we're talking about rosemary and other specialty herbs that will support a supply chain uh, of restaurants in particular that are really becoming, you know, narrowly focused on the ingredients that they're using in their meals, 
because the customer, the consumer is looking for something that's unique as well. So, and then finally, uh, we are also at this particular location, this particular school, uh, trying to integrate some activity around the hemp industry. Uh, for those who do not know, about four to five months ago, the U.S. government signed the U.S. Farm Bill, which legalized hemp as a uh, commercial commodity uh, in all 50 states. Uh, so we're not, uh, well, what I'm proposing and what we're planning around is not CBD oil, but instead we're talking about converting hemp uh, plants uh, to commercial uses. A lot of folks have no idea that hemp material is being used in a variety of things, including clothing. Uh, and so we are really diving deeply into that. Uh, we believe there's an opportunity to build a rural to urban uh, business model, whereby the farmers, uh, some of the farmers uh, throughout Illinois will have a place where their hemp material can come uh, and be processed. And then, uh, again, this is all about job development and workforce development. And then those in those byproducts, those raw materials from the processing of the hemp will then be supplied downstream to manufacturers of various products. So that's that particular, so that school is, uh, is part of the portfolio. And then we have another location in mind in the Grand Crossing community, which is just to the east of Washington Park. Uh, there we have another workforce development and housing campus. So we are partnering with a, a well-established not-for-profit uh, here in Chicago that uh, works in collaboration with the City Colleges of Chicago, as well as the Illinois Department of Corrections uh, with regard to workforce development and training. So they, are, they specialize in creating a pipeline of workers to corporations and companies. And so one of the things that is being challenged uh, or represents a challenge or a barrier that we're trying to identify solutions to overcome is that in particular for those who are re-entry individuals, oftentimes what prevents them from being successful upon their uh, return home is housing. And so we are partnering with this particular not-for-profit to identify solutions around that. Uh, so in this particular location, there are three buildings adjacent to one another. Uh, one of the buildings is currently zoned residential. Our plan is to rehabilitate that building and to uh, provide for uh, workforce housing uh, for those for those folks who will be trained uh, and develop skills in these uh, two adjoining buildings on the same property. So it's what we call a workforce development and housing campus. So those are the three key targets for right now uh, that represent our portfolio. But we're going to lead out or we're going to launch first with the project in Bronzeville. Good. Yeah, that was so So the three projects, just to recap, is the 15,000 square feet in Bronzeville commercial building, mixed use market rate. And then to the south of that, Washington Park is where you're doing the uh, school retrofitting and and doing some some it's going to be indoor agriculture some environmental controlled agriculture it sounds like um yeah i was gonna i was curious to know if they were, you were doing any any hemp or, or cannabis in there so thanks for clarifying that you will be producing some hemp in in there um that sounds interesting 
Yeah, so so the, just to clarify there, Jimmy, the hemp piece is we are looking to develop partnerships. We've already met with the Illinois Hemp Growers Association. Believe it or not, that organization exists now. And they're the ones with the database and the network of the farmers who want to grow hemp. But what they're challenged by is where does, it, where does the hemp go once it's grown? So the whole industry, I mean, this whole, well, not completely, but in large measure, um, the farmers are really trying to get some traction around this. And so next year, uh, 2020, will probably be the first harvest of growth, uh, of any meaningful uh, scalable growth. And so what's happening now is folks are trying to find a way to really drive the supply chain and identify where the hemp material can go once it's grown. And we're looking to provide an answer or a set of solutions around that, which we believe can result in a large number of jobs that are created uh, in these communities. Uh, particularly in the Washington Park community, and not just not just agriculture jobs, manufacturing jobs, manufacturing the raw materials, right? Manufacturing jobs, good. And then yes, the sir. third project was in Grand Crossing community, the uh, the the workforce housing that you're working with the Illinois Department of Corrections to, I guess, kind of a um, kind of uh, almost like a halfway house for for released. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, if you can visualize three buildings uh, situated around one another, one is a residential building, the other are where uh, is a uh, a garage, four bay garage, and the other is a warehouse building of two floors. And so uh, the residential building would be transitional housing uh, that is going to be fully maintained in a high quality way uh, that would allow for these residents to have a place to come, uh, these clients to have a place to come, um, not only for housing, but to be trained with some skills that will enable them to transition out of the housing at some defined period of time. So this is short-term transitional housing. I wouldn't call it halfway house per se, uh, but I would call it dormitory living. Gotcha. Thanks for the clarification. So those those three projects sound great and, and should provide a big impact on the, on the communities that you're developing. What, what, what's been the biggest challenge so far for you, Lennox, in, in the context of acquiring investment dollars? Um, or what do you anticipate will be your biggest challenge in, in, in luring investors to these projects? Well, the challenges are um, varied. I think I would start by saying that the investor community, and I, I do have, I'm in talks right now with two opportunities on, two separate opportunities on fund management uh, organizations. Um, but it has been a little bit of um, effort to get some attention. Uh, I think up to this point, and this is probably typical nationwide, folks have been gravitating to those markets that were already sort of moving along without any need for the Opportunity Zone Fund program. And so I think that what has happened now is that those projects and those locations have become absorbed. And I think that investors now are slowly and gradually uh, redirecting their attention to markets that are very specific to the legislation. And um, so we are very optimistic that we're going to get uh, even more attention as we move ahead. Additionally, I think one of the challenges has been trying to make sure that the deal can pencil out. Uh, in other words, making sure that that return on investment 
is clearly demonstrated in the pro forma. And uh, there is a clear understanding of how the investors are going to be able to recapture their initial investment and make some money on top of that. I would think another factor I think I've observed uh, is that this has come very fast, uh, meaning this legislation. I know it's been, you know, came out end of uh, December of last year, of 2017, rather. But still, uh, local governments are still trying to find their way in positioning themselves to be um, a good resource uh, for not only the local developer firms like mine, but to the, to the investors nationwide. So there are some cities that are farther along than Chicago, for example, like Baltimore. They have a web-based uh, resource, which is very well organized. Uh, and you can go as a as an investor, you can go there and you can track down opportunities in opportunity zones and the contact information is there as well. However, I think Chicago is about to pivot in this direction. As you as you may or may not know, Jimmy, we just uh, elected a new mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot, who takes office uh, later next month. Uh, several uh, new aldermen uh, in some cities they refer to as city councilmen have been elected. And so city government here is changing at the same time, at least city government leadership is changing at the same time as, you know, things really start to pick up steam around moving opportunities on projects forward. So there's there's a need for integration. There's a need for uh, alignment uh, that I think will start to take place. I met yesterday at City Hall with uh, one of the local aldermen, uh, Patricia Dow, who's alderman of the third ward, which includes Brownsville. And she sees a great opportunity to attract the attention of the new mayor and to start to advance a set of ideas uh, that can benefit the city overall. And then I would say, lastly, uh, one of the things that I've observed around this is that now real estate prices are starting to climb. <laughs> so, so there are these unintentional, unintentional consequences that are taking place at the same time that all of this opportunity zone, you know, hoopla has been widely discussed around Chicago. And so now folks are becoming very aware that their property located in an opportunity zone suddenly has a little more value today than it did prior to the opportunity zone program. So what does that mean? Well, for, in practical terms for, you know, the deal maker like Urban Equities, now we're going to have to negotiate harder on acquisition prices. And so that's one of those consequences that comes uh, once you once something like this uh, hits the street. Right. Yeah, that's one of the risks of opportunities on investing is that the, uh, you know, it could, the, the, the incentive could cause the market prices of opportunity zone real estate to go up. In fact, if they go up too much, it'll it'll start to negate the the tax benefit, right? So it's <laughs> right. it's a risk. Um, so I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about real estate investing specifically in Chicago. I mean, w- w- typically when when one thinks of strong established markets in Chicago, they're they're thinking of the Loop or the or the North Side or some of the uh, some of the suburbs on the on the North Side. But but there's a lot of of need for redevelopment, obviously on the on the West Side and and in particular on the south side. In fact, 
that's where all 133 of the city's opportunity zones are located, are, are exclusively on the west and south sides of Chicago. To you, which, which neighborhoods specifically have the greatest level of need? Well, the need uh, is shared, um, I would like to say, probably equally between the west side. And when I say west side, I'm talking West Garfield Park and Austin. I grew up in the Austin community much of my childhood. But I would say the south side has more vacant land. And so and then there are particular anchors, uh, institutions, I think, that are on the south side that will bode well for the south side getting a uh, increased attention, I should say. With that, I would start with Bronzeville. And Bronzeville is a hot place right now. Um, and it's uh, good and bad. Uh, but the reason I suggest Bronzeville is in part because, again, those anchors. You've got McCormick Place, which is located in Bronzeville. You've got the various hotels like the Marriott Marquis, McCormick Hyatt, which are the new Trust Arena, uh, which is DePaul University's uh, basketball arena, all within Bronzeville. Uh, you've got the major interstates. You've got major transportation corridors. You've got access to uh, Lake Michigan, uh, you've got a large amount of vacant land. And you've got close travel proximity to downtown Chicago, whether you're gonna get on a train, uh, what we call the L, or the bus here. Then another reason I would say is that the Michael Reese Hospital site at 31st and uh, Lake Michigan, 80 acres of vacant land, except for one building, which used to serve as one of the buildings of the Michael Reese Hospital site, is slated for redevelopment. So that project, um, which is now referred to as the Burnham Lakefront Project, is anticipated to be the next mega project. In case you are not aware, Jimmy, uh, over the last uh, week, the city council, with the help of outgoing Mayor Rahm Emanuel, was successful, uh, succeeded, I should say, in getting sign-off by city council for two mega projects that are now going to move out the gate, um, namely Lincoln Yards by Sterling Bay up in Lincoln Park um, and the 78 uh, by um, Related Midwest, which will become the 78th neighborhood in Chicago. Jointly, those two projects uh, were approved for over $2.3 billion in public subsidy. And so now those these two locations are pretty much going to satisfy the north and south side, uh, north side and south loop. So the only place to go next is south. And you're going to first hit Bronzeville. And so um, there's a lot of opportunity uh, in Bronzeville. And I think that the Michael Reese Hospital site will serve as a catalytic uh, development uh, under the administration of Lori Lightfoot. And I think that's going to be the next one to really drive widespread community and economic development change uh, in that area of Bronzeville. And then coming from the south, You've got far south, meaning along around 100 south at the old U.S. Steel site. That site uh, is also in the Opportunity Zone. So I like to view that as the south bookend. If you view, uh, we can consider the Michael Reese Hospital site as the north bookend and the U.S. Steel site as the south bookend. So we've got a huge vacant parcel out there that once developed will really start to 
serve as a major catalyst for development coming from, from the far south. And then as you come farther south, uh, from the far south, as you come farther north, going back towards Michael Reese, then you stop in South Shore, you stop in Woodline, where you have the new Obama Presidential Center, uh, pres presumably that's going to get approved if this particular judge green lights it. But my, this is a long answer to your question. I think that Bronzeville, Washington Park, uh, Woodlawn, which is already experiencing some very robust activity, uh, and South Shore on the South side. And then on the West side, there's a very strong need in the Austin community and West Garfield Park communities. I don't mind the long answer. Thank you for that. And uh, for my listeners who are not familiar with the geography of Chicago, um, I if you if you head over to the OpportunityDB website right now, you can find the show notes page for this episode. I'll have a map of Chicago with, uh, and it'll be labeled with some of the points that that Lennox and I are discussing. So you can head over to OpportunityDB.com/podcast to find that map of Chicago. But mostly we're talking about the uh, the west and and south sides of Chicago. Although you did drop Lincoln Park there for a minute, but that's that's not yeah. that's not Opportunity Zone uh, no. eligible. Right. What uh, do do you know? What percentage of people in in these distressed communities in Chicago own their own homes? I and mean, maybe maybe you don't have an exact answer, but uh, but give me your thoughts on on that. I don't have an exact number, but nation, nationwide, black home the black home ownership rate is less than forty percent. With regard to the city of Chicago, last I remember, you're looking at less than thirty percent. And I'm being very specific when I talk about the African-American community. Uh, it is now trailing behind uh, the Latino community in home ownership rates. And those are predominantly the, the residents of, of these communities we're talking about in Chicago are, are African-American. Yes. Yes. And I should say also uh, that one of the key influences of that you know, ugly statistic uh, dates back to the predatory lending that took place that led to the bottoming out uh, of the real estate mortgage market in 2007, 2008. Uh, many of these communities, whether it's Inglewood, uh, not as much as South Shore anymore, but Inglewood, uh, Woodlawn, uh, Avalon Park, Grand Crossing, many of these communities uh, are just now starting to see some signs of recovery, um, visible recovery from the predatory lending that took place in these communities. Right, and I think that's what we're seeing all over the country, and that's actually one of the uh, well, that was one of the impetus for the for the introduction of this legislation that the economic recovery has been uneven, and that's that's exactly one of the reasons why. Uh, so, you know, the hope is the promise of the legislation is that the, that this tax policy will help rebuild some of these communities that have kind of gotten left behind from that uh, from the from the recovery that that has transpired since the market bottoming out in 07 and 08. Well, Lennox, uh, we're getting toward the end of our conversation today, but a question I posed to almost all my guests, I want to pose to you now, what is your most memorable investment that you've made all time? Is there anything in particular that stands out for you? Oh, wow. That, you know, when you, uh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I can answer it in the in inverse, <laughs> but, uh, I would say Cornell place in South shore. Um, that was the construction and sale of 21 homes back in the 
let's see, that would have been around 95, 90, 94 to 96, uh, 1994 to 1996. Uh, the reason that's meaningful is because uh, our firstborn, our son, who is now 23, was born. Uh, that was in 1995, uh, 96. And um, we would actually, my wife is a real estate broker, and um, we would actually uh, bring him along as an infant uh, to open up um, the the sales model on you know weekends, including after church on Sundays. And so, and we named the project after him. His name is Cornell. So we named it Cornell Place in South Shore. And so uh, we actually bought a home in, in, in the development and he was, he's been raised here. Um, he now lives in uh, Los Angeles. And so if I flip that question around <clears throat> in terms of my most painful uh, project, it was in the Avalon Park community uh, some years ago in the early 2000s when I developed uh, another uh, 24, 25 single family homes. And uh, before I really got real strong momentum, I encountered some environmental problems. And even though I had done through my due diligence process, performed a phase one environmental report, <clears throat> I later learned that the Illinois EPA had this site on a different list. What does that mean? What did that mean? That meant that my budget just went completely south. And it meant that I started to lose hair then uh, because that turned out requiring me to enter that the balance of the site into a site remediation program with the Illinois EPA, which caused for me to have to remove underground storage tanks. And it required that I uh, be baptized in this governmental process to clean up a community that quite frankly was left uh, tainted by these businesses many, many years ago that vacated this community. And so I had no idea that I was gonna encounter any of this. And uh, believe it or not, I had to vacate after I got it cleaned up and after a no further re remediation clearance letter from the Illinois EPA was issued, I actually uh, abandoned the balance of the project because it just broke me. Uh, and it gave me a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons. Yeah, that's that's a tough one there. So you gave me one good one, Cornell, and and one bad one, Avalon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those both both very memorable yes. uh, investments for you. Yeah. Well, Lennox, thanks thanks a lot for for joining me today. T tell tell our listeners where they can go now to learn more about you and Urban Equities. Okay. Um, well, you can go to the website uh, www.uequities.com. The letter U, E Q U I T I E S dot com. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. Um, my personal uh, information is on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also personally on Facebook and Urban Equities also has a Facebook page. So um, those are, um, and then our phone number uh, is, uh, office is 773-955-0812. And I want to thank you again, Jimmy, for um, uh, allowing me this opportunity to to share with you. Absolutely, Lennox. It, it was a pleasure. And for our listeners out there, I'll have links to Urban Equities and their Facebook page and their LinkedIn page on the show notes for today's episode. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. Lennox, thanks again for joining me. This has been a pleasure. 
and I hope to see the fruits of your Opportunity Zone developments uh, come to fruition soon. Thank you, Jimmy. I'll keep you posted too by email, just to let you know kind of how things are unfolding. Okay, please do. Thanks, Lennox. Have a good one. All right, have a good day. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.